This is the Pride On Podcast. Welcome back to the Pride On Podcast from the Civil Service LGBT Plus Network. My name is John Peart and I'm a gay civil servant working in the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport and your host for today's bonus episode where we'll be talking about something really important right now and that's loneliness. We've all been affected by the coronavirus and been thrown into situations that are difficult. And in this episode, we're going to explore what that's been like for each of us spread across the country. Today, I'm joined by Caroline Ayres and Jordan Zaman from the Civil Service Diversity and Inclusion team. Ed He and Rakesh Nagama, who, along with Jordan, are two of the vice chairs from the Civil Service LGBT Plus Network and the network's chair, Kate Hughes. We'll hear from Caroline about how she's been coping living on her own. Since lockdown, the number of times I've thought to myself, I'm so glad that there's nobody else here 24-7 because I don't think I could cope with that. And from Kate, about how working from home is making her more aware of her neighbours. You do catch yourself in the garden having a conversation on the phone and suddenly realising that actually it's a conversation that you wouldn't generally have in front of other people. Jordan tells us how he's been coping with lots more spare time. I felt there was a lot more pressure to be being really productive with my time. We'll hear why Rakesh thinks we should be learning the lessons of lockdown and building on them. I feel like we should embrace being lonely more often, uh, especially with our lives and our personal lives. And how there is light at the end of the tunnel from Ed. I, I tend to think more positively now than, than before the lockdown. And I think people will also appreciate each other more. And they'll be sharing what they think about this very different Pride season. There's a lot to get through, so we'll skip the introductions and just hop straight in. Here we go. We're here today to talk about loneliness and this is a particularly relevant issue now because of lockdown and the fact that we're all very physically distant from each other. Pride is not happening in the way that it would traditionally and so that's having kind of an effect on everybody across the LGBT community. So we just wanted to gather a few civil servants from across government together to talk about what that means for them on a personal level in their private lives uh, and also what their reflections are on how they're coping during lockdown. So that's probably the best place to start, isn't it? How is everybody coping during lockdown? My experience so far has been a mixture of uh, feelings and emotions. Yeah, so back in March when we went into lockdown, I was finding it hard to adjust actually in the first week. Uh, And then I guess once we kind of went into the whole process, I became accustomed to it. But then again, I was going through all these kind of emotions of happiness, sadness, even depression at one point. And then it kind of just settled in me that I really couldn't do anything about it. And yeah, I just moved on from it in a way. The longer this goes on, how, is, how has that changed for you? Uh, in the long run, it's actually been better. So I've actually taught myself to be more sociable. So I'd describe myself as... A bit of a loner sometimes. I prefer my own company. So it's been harder for me. Uh, So at home, I live with my mum and my older brother, who are both key workers. So throughout the day, I don't have anyone to talk to, um, apart from obviously work colleagues and friends on the phone. But even then, I feel quite distant from people. uh, So I feel like that's had an effect on me. 
for me and my parents, they've been visiting me and from China since October. And as a result of the coronavirus, they couldn't go home and their flight been cancelled again and again. So I kept telling my friends and my colleagues. So I've been grounded since my parents have been here in October. And then after March, I've been in lockdown. It has made some negative impact to me because I like socially and going out with friends, meeting colleagues. And, but I can't do any of that now. And living with my parents, um, they are still struggling to accept the fact I'm not straight. Uh, it, it has made um, several changes in my in my circumstances. But looking at it now, so I'm glad I'm, I'm staying with my family and my loved ones during the lockdown. If they haven't been here, I would be on my own. And I think mentally I would really struggle. So have you had to come out to your parents during the lockdown period? I did before. Uh, I did before Christmas. And then it's still a struggle. They still take time to what well, they haven't accepted which is making it harder in lockdown. But we we did manage to talk um, properly and nicely to each other. Um, but again, I'm from a really traditional Asian family background and all the values and really conservative. That's the way I've been taught um, in my childhood. Uh, it, it, it is hard and it made it even worse in the lockdown. And what kind of things have you been doing to try and uh, find support from people beyond your immediate family during that difficult period? Well, we, I think quite, I'm I'm really grateful because the Civil Service LGBT Plus Network, they've been, we've been organising a series of events, even locally in Southwest. And we we tend to have monthly social and virtually, and then we got that chance to talk to each other. And then my colleagues, they've been also really supportive. And before the lockdown, I actually, at one stage, I felt I was more accepted at work. So my colleagues, they really went above and beyond. They they text me at night, they phone me during the day, and then just to make sure I'm okay. And then and, and I really appreciate and the extra and gesture they've done for me. And so if that's Ed's experience in the Southwest, Kate, Caroline, you're both very far north and very far away from that. Is is your experience been particularly different uh, from Ed's? I've sort of had the opposite of Ed's experience in that I live on my own, but I did consider going to stay with my parents uh, at the start of lockdown. And overall, I'm glad that I didn't because I think I would have found it quite hard to not live on my own because I'm so used to that. I have been for quite a long time now, but it has been a real roller coaster of emotions. Um, and I've gone through some kind of fairly extremes of being like massively productive over Easter weekend where I just had a real big clear out of a whole load of stuff and cleaned the kitchen from one end to the other. And then other weekends where I've been just massively unproductive and not able to motivate myself to do anything. I think after the novelty of lockdown wore off, it really made me hypervigilant about my productivity. So having all of this spare time freed up from not going out and socialising with my friends on the evenings and weekends and not seeing my family... I felt there was a lot more pressure to be being really productive with my time, taking up new hobbies, whether that's you know gardening, cooking, being healthier, doing more exercise. And I think that kind of focus from an external social life um, kind of flipped and us having to look at what we're doing and, and making sure we're using our time much more wisely, whether that's with work or social stuff or virtual social stuff now. Um, has been a really big change. I feel like for 
many people, including myself, I think I was unaware of the changes that COVID would bring. So particularly for me, when we went to lockdown, um, I was quite thankful. I was like, oh, all our colleges would be closed, all our providers would be closed. I'd have no work to do. How fun. But then unexpectedly, it was like a, you know, a drop from the tree. Um, and then I, I felt like I was so busy. And I feel like that's what contributed to my loneliness. I feel like constantly working until that late evenings, that really kind of made me feel mo- more lonely. And I didn't know how to combat that. But I feel like because of the whole having a network and being part of the LGBT community, it was nice having a group of people to talk with, engage with, and even like Jordan says, like, thank God for technology. Otherwise, I don't know how I would stay in contact with all these people. How have people found uh, the increased use of technology in keeping in touch with their friends and families during lockdown? I've been quite surprised um, at how well I've coped with it because I'm not very good with technology. And I found myself explaining to friends how to set up a Skype call and halfway through that thought, how is this me doing this explanation? Because usually I'm asking everybody else how to do it. I think what I think work has actually helped me with that because we do video calls at work anyway. Um, so I kind of am more familiar with it. But being able to talk to more than one friend at a time has been really good, um, you know, because you can phone but you can only phone one person at a time. So using technology to talk to two or three people, I found really helpful. I think it's it's great. And then people, you'd be surprised how, how fast people can adopt uh, new things. Certainly for the virtual crazies socials we've been organising, and then the uh, number of people signed up for each of the events. And um, the, the number is normally around um, 60 to up to 108. And from the last panel session we had in mid of last week. So, so people do really appreciate it, especially for people living on their own. And when we do organise those events, when people do join us, and we normally talk uh, from anything from your cooking to um, your extra hobby. So so people do appreciate it. And then, and then it's great we can engage in this way. Like in some ways, it's been great because I've been able to see my family who are mostly down south, whereas I'm in York. So I can't actually go and like stand at the end of their driveway and wave at them. And we've had like significant birthdays and anniversaries and stuff in the time we've been in lockdown. So being able to do that has been brilliant. But at the same time, there's this when you live on your own and the people that you are kind of talking to over the video conference are all in family groups. When they suggest things like a quiz where everyone can be in teams in the houses that they're in, it feels like you're looking through everybody else's window at their happy lives and that yours is somehow deficient, even though you're perfectly happy. It's a strange feeling. I just, um, just want to make sure it doesn't come across that living on your own means being lonely and sad. I think there are a lot of positives about living on your own. I'm really pleased to live on my own. And since lockdown, the number of times I've thought to myself, I'm so glad that there's nobody else here 24-7 because I don't think I could cope with that. So I think living on living alone is a very positive choice for me. Um, and a lot of my friends as well. I would completely agree with that. I'm 
although I love my parents and my family dearly, I am very glad I didn't choose to go down to be with them when it became obvious that lockdown was inevitable. I love living on my own. There have been very few moments where I have found it difficult during this period. I think the thing I found most difficult was more the thought that I didn't know when I would next be able to actually be with another human being and not have to worry about the distance. That's the only aspect that I have found difficult. And that made me realise actually there's more to loneliness than company. There's also that feeling naturally comfortable around your friends. And I think that's the that's the hard thing is when you've got your friends round in your garden and you would normally just naturally pass them a drink or give them a hug goodbye or whatever and you can't do that and you have to hold back from it that's the only aspect I've found really really difficult it is really odd when people come round and to come into the garden and I can't offer them a cup of tea or coffee and that's one of the you know I think with a lot of the lockdown stuff it's been those little things that just suddenly jump up and slap you around the face and it's that natural kind of you want to say do you want a cup of tea and you know you can't and that it is weird i feel like we should embrace being lonely more often uh, especially with our lives and our personal lives uh, it's always been it's always busy it's always so conflicted and we never really give ourselves the time that we properly deserve to look after our well-being and mental health and i feel like that's something that i've taught myself during this whole situation is that I should take more care of myself, but it's also taught me to keep more well-informed and educated and communicate with my friends and family more often than I should be. And I think overall, um, it's up and down um, for me And at the beginning and to face my parents 24-7, knowing they wouldn't accept of me being who I am. That was really hard and I had to choose and carefully of what I say to them. Um, but then as it progress, I think I'm, I'm glad because this is a really big challenge for, for many people um, across the world in this lockdown, in this pandemic. And I'm kind of glad I've spent this time with my loved ones. Otherwise, I'd be on my own. So so there's loads of learning for me and over this. And then and then overall, I, I tend to think more positively now than, than before the lockdown. And I think people will also appreciate each other more. What do you think lockdown has kind of taught each of you about the families that you choose versus the families that you kind of are born into? And do you feel like your appreciation of the relationships that you have with other people, whether they're part of the LGBT plus family or whether they're not part of the LGBT plus family, do you feel like those relationships have changed, evolved, and have you found more meaning in them in the current circumstances? Most certainly because before the lockdown, um, we could go out and then meet with the friends we normally associate with, the ones you would feel comfortable with. Now in lockdown, everyone more or less got their personal um, things to deal with and then adapt to the new environment. Um, what I found um, quite interesting was um, previously every Thursday, we go out eight o'clock and to applause for the uh, key workers. And that's the moment we actually make effort to talk to the neighbours to find out um, who they are, ask for their names. And um, some people living on my street or they're just two houses down the road, we never 
used to talk to each other, and now I know they had two. They have two dogs, and I know their pets' names. That what which school their kids go to. I think it's that kind of appreciation, and you do spend time and to 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 know more about each individual, and then and then previously we just taken things for granted. Now you actually appreciate the personal. And touch personal relationship, um, and sometimes people we never used to talk to, now we we kind and spend more time, and then be more and connected and to each other. That is an interesting point. I think I have spoken more to neighbours over the last few weeks than than I have done previously. Um, and when I'm doing things in my front garden, and the dog walkers go past, we have little chats and that sort of thing. I naturally. I'm a little wary of, um, I guess, the whole straight world, really. And so I've always had a thing of, I like to have a kind of good nodding acquaintance with neighbours, but I never invite them into my house because um, I've had in my past those moments of having to de-dike the house because the parents are coming or whatever. Um, and I just kind of think, just keep people out and then I don't have to worry about that. But what I have been doing is inviting people to come and friends to come and sit in my garden. Um, and we were doing that on Sunday. And I suddenly realised the conversation we were having as a group of lesbians was um, a lesbian conversation. And I just thought, I wonder if any of my neighbours are listening um, and I haven't done a big kind of coming out. I just assume people will know or guess. But um, I think that's kind of made me think a bit about what are people hear, overhearing and what are they concluding from that? You do catch yourself in the garden having a conversation on the phone and suddenly realising that actually it's a conversation that you wouldn't generally have in front of other people without realising that you're having it. And that can be a little bit awkward. And lockdown has definitely improved my relationships with people, especially with my LGBT community. Um, I haven't got many alliances, I guess, or friendships in who are LGBT, uh, apart from my two cousins, who I'm very close with. But since we kind of went into lockdown, I think we're like, we got closer because we're always staying connected, always messaging each other, which is always nice. Um, and it's quite comforting as well, seeing how much, seeing how lonely I am at home. But even like you've, we've mentioned before, um, being at home and like kind of revealing those truths, or I guess that we wouldn't normally discuss. I feel like I've been doing that more. And for myself, I'm, I'm not that open at home. Um, I guess because I never really felt the need to come out. Just reflecting on on what we've been saying, um, one of the things that I think very often. Uh, people don't understand about what life is like for LGB people is the constant coming out. Um, and I think people think you come out once and that's it, job done. And I think the conversation we're having is about the numbers of times a day that you have to make that decision. And the fact that with lockdown, we're forgetting to make the decision sometimes. <laughs> so we're having the conversations and we're doing the things that kind of give ourselves away um, without even thinking about it. But generally speaking, it's that kind of every day. You know, I think I think we would all make brilliant um, health and safety inspectors because we're so good at risk assessment. 
So, yeah, I just uh, I think that's one of the interesting points. And I think with the video conferencing through work as well, with video conferencing at the moment, we're all going into each other's houses when we wouldn't normally. Yeah, that's been really interesting. Inviting people into a space that actually, for me, is usually very, very private. I tend to only have a handful of friends that will come to my house because I really like my space as a sanctuary. And all of a sudden, everybody that I work with is sitting in my dining room and sort of seeing what's in that room. And I suspect there's a lot of things that people now know about me that they didn't necessarily know before, that I'm not even aware that they now know, which is a bit strange. Uh, I have occasionally turned my camera off on video conferences, partly because I just, I'm not in the right mood to let people into my space. And actually, I think that's perfectly okay. But I think it's something that a lot of people find hard to do because there is this expectation that because you can video conference, you will video conference and you will let people in. And actually, when you live on your own, protecting that space is really important. And it's it's the opposite of the loneliness in some ways a trite thing that somebody posted on social media but it stuck with me is that we're not really all working from home we're trying to work through a crisis and we're actually still in the middle of that crisis and we need to recognize the impact that that working in this environment is having on each of us the fact that our office is now our living room or our dining room or you know if you're fortunate enough to have a separate room for a study then uh, it's, it's also you know but either way it's our work environment now is our house and so how do you disconnect how do you get some privacy how do you how do you set up those mental and physical barriers that you would have with uh, colleagues in the workplace normally that you can't have at the moment because they're physically inside or they're, they're kind of virtually inside your physical space all of the time I think that's something that, that probably we still haven't quite adjusted to. We've, we've, we've got through the initial wave of dealing with the crisis and in terms of adjusting to this new working environment that everybody's having to live through, but we haven't really dealt with the social and long-term consequences of it yet. So one of the ways I've managed that working from home thing has been to make sure that I have a specific space that I work in. So I still feel like I'm going to work. But the downside to that is you have to pack it away at the end of the day. Otherwise, you don't get to the end of the day. And that's particularly an issue if you are living alone, because there isn't anyone else to say, right, okay, it's half past seven. Why are you still working? And that has got easier through lockdown as the restrictions have eased and you can do things like arrange to go for a socially distanced walk with somebody. But until that happened, I found I was working far more than I should have done and far more than was healthy for me. I ended up in an unhealthy pattern of work-life balance without anyone to really check that. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been using some of those tactics to keep myself from going a little bit stir-crazy with them. Um, so uh, people won't know, but I'm currently in a private office job, so the, the job kind of is 24-7 by its very nature. But you do eventually need a time to switch off. Uh, and I've been using kind of various bits that I've been keeping to as a daily routine to try and space out the stress of working in this current environment whilst also working in quite a stressful job. Yes, I came up with a plan, which I have done about three times, um, <laughs> but I always, I always mean to do it, which was to try and have maybe a 10-minute walk in the morning before I start work. And then when I finish work, have another walk, even if it's only for 10 minutes, so that I'm in effect walking to work and then walking home again. 
Um, and when I have managed to do that, which, as I say, hasn't been very often, it has felt it's been great. It's just like it, it's a way of switching between home and work um, and pretending you're going to work even when you just end up back where you started. Let's talk about let's switch tact a bit um, and talk about Pride. How would you normally be celebrating Pride? Uh, so this would be my third year celebrating Pride. Um, the last two I was um, in the parade itself. So my cousin works for Santander and part of their Impress network. So I've been fortunate to fortunate enough to join them. And um, so when it came to this year, I was actually looking forward to joining the civil service one. But actually, I've been more grateful that it got cancelled. Not to sound harsh, but it gave me the opportunity to kind of learn more about our history and kind of where we started. Um, and I think that's really refreshing because I like it's been good to see how we've had an impact from then till now. Um, and for me, that's changed my whole perspective to becoming even a better ally for the people in our community. Um, normally, um, I would go for the parade and then attending some of the um, events and uh, locally in Bristol. But then this year, sadly, we can't go out. But I think doing Pride um, online and people, you actually reach out are far wider than you expected. And I think people do appreciate it. And then now we have more time to study the history, as Rikesh said, and the, and the struggle we had um, 40, 50 years ago. I normally attend the Pride March in Newcastle and then have a picnic at the end of it. I have to say I'm 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 not missing it hugely to be honest and I think the way the network has responded and the number of events the network has organized has been fantastic. I think just seeing all the things that are going on, all the social things that help people to feel less isolated and bring people together because that is what Pride is about. And then all the panel discussions, I just think it's been amazing. Um, and maybe just because I've kind of got a bit past wanting to be in loud, noisy places, I've probably enjoyed doing it all virtually more than I would have done turning up on the day. Um, but that's probably just me. I have to say, I'm really pleased to hear Caroline saying that because I'm really proud of the way that the network exec has identified a need and pulled together to fill that need really, really quickly and managed to marshal lots of volunteers to use their talents and do things that they're passionate about to reach out to a huge number of civil servants, both LGBT and allies and pull together something that does actually mean that we can celebrate Pride this year, even though we can't physically be in the same place. And like Caroline, for me, this is actually a better way of celebrating Pride because I can do it in small chunks. I don't have to feel like I need to be in the middle of a really long, hot parade with one bottle of very warm water that I'm trying to make last for two miles, which doesn't sound like it's very far. But when it's a very hot summer day and you're walking very slowly, it feels incredibly far. It's been great to do it in a different way. And I hope that we can take some of the different way we have done it forward into the future to work alongside the more traditional celebrations that happen that are more party-like because I think it's a really good way of remembering why we have pride. That's it for this episode of the Pride On podcast. Thank you to all of my guests for this episode. 
If you're not already, you can subscribe to this podcast on all of your favourite podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find out more about the Civil Service LGBT Plus Network on our website at www.civilservice.lgbt and add slash podcast for all the information about this podcast. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at CSLGBT, on Instagram and Facebook at Civil Service LGBT. That's it for this episode of the Pride On Podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.